will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. Hebrews 12 and 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us all bow our heads and close our eyes for a word of prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful evening time. Lord, you did great and mighty things in the lives of the people in the morning service. I pray that you will speak to each and every heart as they have gathered here. I pray that you will anoint my feeble lips of clay to speak an anointed word, anoint every ears to hear and every hearts to receive. We bind all the power of darkness in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and may the liberty of your spirit be with us. Let there be a spirit of revelation and understanding in this place. Help us to know the truth and let the truth set us free. May the eternal purpose of you sending your word this evening towards our lives be fulfilled in each and every one of our lives. We love you and we thank you for we ask all of these wonderful blessings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and please be seated. This evening time I would like to speak to you on a little subject called the shadow of a believer. The shadow of a believer. How many of believers are in this house? We all call ourselves to be believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, believers of his word, believers of what he did on the cross of Calvary, believers of his death, his burial and his resurrection. The scripture that we have read in the book of Psalm, which is a very familiar Psalm, uh, I believe to most all of us, if we would have been uh, brought up in a Christian home or have had the privilege of going to Sunday school when we were little children, most all of us would have learned the Psalm by heart. A very familiar Psalm and as David was closing, uh, writing this song by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He says, Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It is a wonderful promise that God has put here in this scripture. The Bible scholars, they say there are approximately six to 7,000 promises in the Holy Scriptures but I really believe this evening that we cannot really count the very many promises that God has made to us. And this scripture that we have read this evening is one such promise where it begins with the word surely. I like the way that God has presented this promise to us in his holy word. Because this is such kind of a promise where, you know, God qualifies his promise by saying words like surely. There is no need for God to make, 
you know, to, to, to put in such kind of words uh, just to make us understand that he would surely do it. Because once God says something, he is faithful to keep his word. Because the Bible says he is not a man to lie. He is not a son of man to repent. Had he said and shall he not do it. But such a God of integrity, when he presented this promise in his word, he begins with the word surely, which should make us understand it is a sure promise. It's not the kind of promise where we say may or may not, may happen or it may not happen. There is no may or may not here. It is a sure promise that God has laid out to his people that his goodness and mercy will follow us. And the next thing is, the greatest thing about this scripture is that it will follow us all the days of our life. So it is a sure promise and it is a promise that is going to follow us all the days of our life. There are some promises in the Bible that are very seasonal. For example, if you take the promise of healing, it is a promise that is meant to a person who is going through a sick season. And Once he is healed and receives the manifestation of God's healing power in his physical body. He no more needs uh, the promise of healing. All he needs is the promise of health. So that no sickness would come back again to him. So there are certain promises in the Bible that are very seasonal. But this promise is a promise for all seasons. Because God says in his holy word. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow my people all the days of their lives. Not some days. Not only when the sun is shining. Not only when we are on the mountaintop. But it, it has been promised that it will follow us all the days of our life. And if we are true to ourselves uh, this evening sitting here in the house of God. And examining our lives of the past. You know when I read this scripture you know, a few years before with uh, real involvement in it uh, and was thinking deeply into it. God, you have said you will make your goodness and mercy to follow me surely all the days of my life. But when I checked my life and saw, yes, there were many days where I have sensed and experienced the goodness and mercy of God following me. But at the same time, there were days where I did not sense and experience the goodness and mercy of God following me. And it was bothering me, Lord, why? There are days in my life where I did not sense your goodness and mercy to follow me. But you have promised it will follow me all the days of my life. When I thought about it, I thought about the analogy of the sunlight. Let me use it here. When we walk out during the daytime when the sun is shining, something follows us. What is that? It is our own shadow, right? If the sun is shining before us, the shadow is bound to follow us. No matter how hard we try, we cannot avoid or escape from our own shadow. If we are going to run from the shadow, the shadow is also going to follow you running. <laughs> if you are going to walk, it is also going to walk 
following you it is absolutely impossible for any person to avoid his own shadow as long as he is facing the sunlight so god has promised a spiritual shadow a divine shadow to follow his believers but the only thing is if this shadow of goodness and mercy of god have to follow us all the days of our life we have to make sure that we are following the sun What is the sun that we are talking about? Psalm number 84 and verse number 11 the scripture says, "The Lord God is our sun and our shield. He will give grace and glory. He will not withhold any good thing from those that walk uprightly." In Malachi chapter number 4 and verse number 2 the scripture says, "Unto you who fear my name shall the sun of righteousness arise with healing in its wings." So if we want this shadow of goodness and mercy of God to definitely surely follow us all the days of our life we need to make sure that we follow the son of righteousness who is our Lord Jesus Christ. And when I examine my life the Lord put it open before me in black and white and said son those were the days you did not follow the sun and that's the reason you did not sense and experience the goodness and the mercy of god following you that's why the writer to the hebrew says looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith you cannot look something that is behind you You cannot look at something that is by your sides unless you turn towards that direction. You can look something that is before you. Praise the name of the living God. As long as we are facing the son of righteousness who is the Lord Jesus Christ, this divine shadow of goodness and mercy of God is bound to follow his people. But if the sun is shining behind us we are going to follow the shadow. Or if the sun is shining by our side the shadow is also going to fall by our side. But it is very important for a child of God if this promise has to be fulfilled in his life he has to set the sunlight before him and that son is nothing is none but our lord jesus christ and the bible says he is the lord god he is the son of righteousness this man david who you know who wrote surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life at the end of this psalm do you know how he begins this psalm as we all know he says the lord is my shepherd so before he could be sure of this shadow following him all the days of his life he first made sure that the lord is his shepherd no david was a professional shepherd boy that was how he started his career and he was a little boy he was looking after and taking care of his father's sheep so he knows i believe 
He knows every meticulous details about shepherding a flock. How a shepherd looks after the sheep. David knew it because he was a professional shepherd boy. And as he was a shepherd to his sheep, uh, suddenly he found himself to be the sheep of his pasture and the Lord being the shepherd of his life. And one of the very important things that a shepherd does to his flock is to lead the flock. Everybody say lead. It's a lot different back home in India if you see how the shepherd leads the flock. Because the shepherd he would let the entire flock go before him. And this poor little shepherd will run with the stick behind the flock. He will run behind the flock in the direction, you know, some sheep or goat might go hither and thither. And this poor little shepherd will run with a stick behind the flock, chasing the flock. But, you know, in the days of David, the shepherd always led the flock from the front. That's how a shepherd leads the flock. He goes before the entire flock with the rod and staff in his hand. And all that the entire flock does is just set their focus on the shepherd. Just follow his leading. If he walks, the entire flock also walks behind the shepherd. If the shepherd runs, the entire flock also runs with the shepherd. If the shepherd stays, the entire flock also stays with the shepherd. Because only the shepherd knows which is the most secure way and which way he can find some provision for his flock. And that's why we read in the rest of the scriptures 2, 3 and 4. It says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. So the main job of a shepherd is to lead the flock. And he always goes before them. Even today in the Middle Eastern countries, if you go, the shepherd will always lead the flock from the front and the entire flock would follow the leading of the shepherd. The Bible says we have a good shepherd. In fact, Jesus himself, when he was living in this world in flesh and blood, he said in John chapter number 10 and verse number 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. What makes him the good shepherd? He did not say, I'm also one of the good shepherds. He said, I am the good shepherd, which makes him to be the exclusive, only shepherd of our life and he is just not a shepherd he is the good shepherd what makes him good the second part of that scripture says the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep why he is the good shepherd because he is the only one that gave his life for us my brothers and sisters nobody in this world has ever given their life for us or nobody in this world will ever give their life for us. Or even if they would come forward to give their life, what good would it do to us? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But when our Lord Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross of Calvary, he changed our destiny, my brother. 
Our souls which were being drawn into hell was redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ and it was made as an heir of eternal life. We who are living in sin, we are made as the righteousness of God. Why? It is because he gave his life. When we get sick, we have the hope of healing. Why? Because he gave his life. The good shepherd gave his life for the sheep. And that's why he is the good shepherd of our life. In verse number 14 of that same chapter, he says again, I am the good shepherd. Anytime when you read the scriptures and you find a phrase repeating itself uh, so closely, it means the Lord is wanting to catch the attention of his people and make sure that this truth sink deep into our minds and into our hearts. He says, I am the good shepherd. and know my sheep and I'm known of mine. Praise the name of the living God. And he wants to lead us just like the shepherd does. Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 14. The scripture says as many as are led. As many as are led by the spirit of God. They are the sons of God. How many of Holy Ghost filled believers are in the house this evening time? If you are a Holy Ghost filled believer sitting here in the house of God. The one who is the good shepherd is living inside of you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And he is willing, ready and waiting to do the same job that a shepherd does. And that is to lead his flock. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. A lot of times believers don't understand, comprehend or realize the greatness and the magnitude of God dwelling in our life. They just think it, it happens to everyone. It happens to all the churchgoers. It happens to the Pentecostal people. Oh, they have, so also I have. But my brother, if we would stop and realize the greatness and the magnitude of the gravity of God's presence, the almighty God's presence, the creator of this world, the savior of our soul, our redeemer, our sanctifier, our eternal life giver, our alpha, omega, beginning and the end, son of God, Prince of Peace, Lord of all, He is living in our hearts. Nobody in the Old Testament had the privilege that you and I have. There were great, wonderful people of God that lived during the days of the Old Testament. Great prophets, great kings, great judges, great priests. They don't have the privilege that you and I have. They did not carry the presence of God in their life 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and 365 days a year. Only you and I have that privilege. When you look at the scriptures very closely, these wonderful men that lived throughout the dispensation of times in the Old Testament, you know, they had a sincere thirst, sincere yearning, hunger for God's presence in their life. 
They wanted to experience and taste God in a full measure. But God did not give them the opportunity. For example, if you go to Exodus chapter number 33 and read verse number 18. You see a, a, a personal conversation going on between God Almighty and his prophet Moses. Moses was a mighty man of God. He was testified by God as a man who is faithful in all his house. Right from the time he met the Lord in the burning bush. Verse number 18 brother. Right from the time he met the Lord in the burning bush. Moses was walking in the supernatural. And he was witnessing the great power and the glory of God right in front of his eyes. Everything the Lord did in the land of Egypt, throughout the wilderness, the Lord did it through his prophet. If there was any man in the face of this earth that knew the power of God or what God is able to do, it is prophet Moses. He saw the ten plagues the Lord did in the land of Egypt. When he walked through the wilderness, he saw the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud leading the children of Israel. All supernatural signs and wonders. When the Red Sea came before the children of Israel, it was Moses who stood in the forefront and witnessed the sea dividing into two and the people walking through the dry land. And that's why if there was any man that lived the face of this earth that knew the power of God or what God is able to do, it is his prophet Moses. But you see, when he was alone with God... What did he ask? Lord, show me your glory. He knew the power of God. He saw all the demonstrations of mighty signs and wonders. If there was any man that knew the power of God, it is Moses. Or he knew what God is able to do. But when he was alone with God, he said, Lord, show me your glory. What he was telling the Lord, Lord, I know your works. I know your power. I know what you are able to do. But who are you? I know there is somebody above doing all that. I want to know that somebody. And want to experience him. In a more intimate way. In full measure. But do you know what the Lord said? When you read through that chapter. He said. Sorry Moses. I am paraphrasing it. <laughs> nobody can see God and live <laughs> tomorrow I will pass by you can see my back parts that's what exactly is. great man of God he didn't have the privilege to experience God in a full measure in an intimate way or even you take the same David who wrote Psalm number 23. I believe in Psalm number 42. He says, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth after. So when you see this great man of God, you see a sincere thirst and hunger in their lives to experience God in full measure. But they didn't have the privilege. When we turn to Colossians chapter number 1.
verse number 26 and 27, it kind of sums up everything that I spoke to you in the last few minutes. Colossians 1.26, it says, Apostle Paul writing to the believers of the New Testament church at the city of Colossia, he says, even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It was a mystery that was hidden from ages to generations to all the prophets and the kings of all. But now it has been revealed. What is that mystery? It is the indwelling of God's presence in the hearts of each and every believer. That is why we are a very blessed people because we live on the other side of the cross where the price for the sins has been paid. And we must understand the greatness and the privilege and the honor that we have to carry the presence of God, to host the presence of God in our life 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. It's a privilege. Not because of anything that we have done. It's because of the grace and the mercy that God had upon each and every one of us. This Holy Spirit that is dwelling inside our hearts is willing, ready, waiting to lead us. And when He leads us, where does He lead us? Colossians chapter number 3 and verse number 16. In the same letter, Apostle Paul wrote to the same bunch of believers. In chapter number 1, he talked about the great mystery. What is that mystery? It is the presence of God dwelling in the hearts of the believers. And when the presence of God dwells in the hearts of the believers, what happens? Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. If the spirit dwells, my brother, the word also must dwell. Because when the presence of God comes and abides in our life, uh, when he starts to lead us, where does he lead us? Where does he guide us? John chapter number 16 and verse number 13. The scripture says, even when the spirit of truth is come, he shall guide you into all the truth. And what is truth? Jesus said, thy word is truth. When the Spirit of God comes and abides in our life and when He takes controls of our life and starts to lead us and guide us, where does He lead us and guide us? Into all the truth. And that's why the scripture says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. A lot of times, uh, you know, people talk about receiving the Holy Ghost. And yes, I believe without the Holy Ghost, we cannot live a victorious Christian life. Uh, we cannot partake uh, in the blessed resurrection that will happen when our bodies will be redeemed. Uh, but if we have received the Holy Ghost, we must also walk in the Holy Ghost. Across all the pulpits all over the world, at least in the Pentecostal Churches, they all talk about receiving the Holy Ghost. But the sad thing is, those same pulpits don't talk about walking in the Spirit. Yeah. 
I don't know about here, but it is in India. All through the book of Acts, we read about receiving the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, receiving the Holy Ghost is a one-time message to the new converts. That's what you read in the scriptures. But walking in the Spirit is a lifetime message to all that have received the Spirit. That is why Paul writing his letter to the saints of the church of the city of Galatia. He says walk in the spirit in chapter number 5. And then he says he shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to each other. A lot of people think oh if I receive the Holy Ghost. Sin cannot overcome me. No that's a lie. You can receive the Holy Ghost. And can fall in sin. Why? You have to make a conscious willing decision. After you receive the spirit. You have to walk in the spirit. And when you make a decision. To walk in the spirit. The word of God comes alive in our lives. It's no more a word. It becomes life. What you read. You will be able to live. The written word, it will become the living word in us. The Bible is just not the written word or the word. The Bible is the word of life. And how can the written word become the living word? Only when we make a conscious decision to walk in the spirit. The written word will come and dwell in our hearts as the living word. And once it starts to abide in our life as the living word, it will come Out of our life as the manifest word. The written word should go into another level. Where it can be called as the living word inside our hearts. And after it has become life to us. It has to manifest in our life. As many as are led by the spirit of God. God can lead us only when we make a conscious decision to walk in the spirit. A lot of people think this. I don't know about here, but back home in India, they think, you know, if you receive the Holy Ghost, God is going to lead you. Do you know how he's going to lead you? He's going to grab you by the throat. (laughs) He'll say, go left, go right. Don't go there, sit here, stand up. No, he doesn't do that. He is a very gentle God. That's why we read in the book of Revelation, chapter number three, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Do you know to whom he said that word? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He was not talking to a bunch of sinners out in the world. He was talking to the saints of his church. The book of Revelation chapter number 1 we read that he is a God who walks among the seven golden candlesticks. But sadly in verse number or in chapter 3 of the book of Revelation these people have kicked out God. And he's saying, I'm knocking in the door. See, we are the house of God. God has the power and the authority to break into our life. See, we all live in a house, right? Let's say in the evening after work, you're going home, you're knocking at the door. Thinking that somebody will open the door. 
If nobody is opening the door, what will you do? You will try to call. How long can you stand? <laughs> there will come a point of time you will lose all your patience and you will look for some equipment or some device to break the door. Why? Because it is your own house. Nobody can ask questions. But God is looking at a group of people whom he calls his own. My house. Know ye not that ye are the temple of the living God and the spirit of God. He is looking at his own house and he is saying, I am knocking at the door. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come and sup with him and he with me. These believers that we read about the Laodicean church in the book of Revelation chapter 3, you know, they were good enough to receive the presence of God in their life. But they were not walking in the spirit. We can be led by this good shepherd who is the Holy Ghost only when we walk in the spirit. Only when we make a decision to walk in the spirit, we will be led by the spirit. And when we are led by the spirit, we will be led into all the truth. Not some truth. Not here a little, there a little. Or 50% of the truth or 75%. But into all the truth. It may not happen like this within one day or one week or one month or one year. It's a process that continuously go on in the life of a believer. That is the predominant work of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer. It is to take the written word and make it life to that person and let that word manifest out of his life. That is the predominant work of the Spirit of God in the life of each and every believer. That is how we follow the Good Shepherd. If the presence of God dwells in us, the scripture says the word of God also, the word of Christ must also richly, richly dwell in us. That's why in the same chapter in the book of John, chapter number 10, where Jesus said two times that I am the good shepherd. He said in verse number 27, I believe he said, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow. He's so confident. He's so confidently saying, I know my sheep and they follow me. He is giving a testimony about his sheep. Is God, will God give that same kind of testimony this evening about us? God is dwelling in us. Not for some time. He did not come to visit us. He came to dwell in us. Not to lead us only on Sunday mornings or Sunday nights. But all through the days and the times of our living on the face of this earth. That's the problem with the church of God that is in this world today. They have received the spirit. A lot of them. But they don't understand. 
that they had to walk in the Spirit. When you receive the Spirit and don't walk in the Spirit, there's no use in receiving the Spirit. The life of a person who has not received the Spirit and the life of a person who has received the Spirit but don't walk in the Spirit, it will be one and the same. There won't be any difference. That is why it is very important for us to realize and understand the gravity and the greater degree and the privilege and the honor of us hosting the presence of God in our life so that we will make a conscious decision to walk in the Spirit. I'd like to read a passage of scriptures before I close. In the Old Testament, How many of you believe the Old Testament is a shadow to the reality of the New Testament? You see a church in the Old Testament. I call them the church. They are the children of Israel. That was led by Pastor Moses through the wilderness. Now these children of Israel, they are an example to us. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, Paul is reminding us, of what had happened to the Old Testament church who lived in the shadows. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed and that's why it's very important for us to pay a very careful look at what happened to them. Verse Chapter number 10 and verse number 1 of 1 Corinthians, the scripture says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant... God doesn't want us to be ignorant of how these church in the shadows, they lived. You should not be ignorant how that all of our fathers, meaning the Old Testament believers, were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Right? They were believers of the Old Testament church. The Bible says when they left the land of Egypt, they walked through the door that was painted by the blood of the Lamb, which is equivalent for us to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, who is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the door. Jesus said, I am the door. So these believers, they walked through the door that was painted by the blood of the Lamb in the land of Egypt. Verse number 2, the scripture says, they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. See, these were just not believers. They were baptized believers. They were baptized in the cloud and in the sea. Which is equivalent to the reality of us being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and being baptized with the Holy Ghost. They were baptized in the sea. And in the cloud, which is nothing but the Holy Ghost in the shadows. Verse number 3, it says, And did all eat the same spiritual meat? Verse number 4, And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of the rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. But verse number 5 says, But with many of them, God was not well pleased. Wait, what's wrong with them? 
they all walked through the door that was painted by the blood of the Lamb. They were all baptized believers, baptized in the sea. They were baptized in the cloud. But why does the scripture says, with many of them, God was not well pleased? And what did God do when he was not pleased with them? The scripture says they were overthrown in the wilderness. Which means God says they were destroyed. And verse number 6 says, Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Maybe we can say, where is lust in my life? But let me tell you, anything that we keep in the place where we have to keep God. If we give our time to anything, the time that we have to give for God, it is lust in the sight of God. The Bible says lust brings forth sin and sin would lead us into that. That's exactly what happened to these believers of the Old Testament. And Paul says this is an example for us. This is a warning for us and we should not be ignorant of what had happened to this people. And that's why it is very important for us to pick ourselves up together and realize how God is leading his people in these last days. Yes, we have to receive the Spirit of God. The Bible says, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. A lot of people ask how to receive the Holy Ghost. Well, it's very simple. You read the book of Acts, chapter number 2. That's all enough for us to know how to receive the Holy Ghost. Peter the Apostle, he got up and preached on the day of Pentecost. He preached about Jesus. He preached about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He, that is the gospel message. If ever we have to receive the precious Holy Spirit in our life, the first thing is that we have to hear the gospel. Hear the gospel just as the scripture says. And the believers who heard the message that Peter preached, they heard it with a deep hunger and sincere thirst. Do you know why I say that? Those people, because they had sincere hunger and thirst for God, after hearing that message, they came up and asked the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do to be saved? The Bible says they were pricked in their hearts. If they had not had that sincere hunger and thirst, they would not have been pricked in their hearts. That's how they approached the gospel message. They were pricked in their hearts and they asked the apostles, what shall we do to be saved? Then Peter said, repent. What is repentance? Repentance simply is the change of mind. You're heading one way. Suddenly you're realizing, uh oh, I'm heading the wrong way. It's time to change tracks and follow Jesus who is the way that's the decision that you make in your heart and then the scripture says you have to be baptized what is baptism it is an outward sign of what has happened on the inside on the inside you are dead to that old nature 
that old carnal man is dead because he was heading the wrong way. But you have made a decision to slay that man through Jesus Christ. You now want to walk in the newness of life. And that's why we are baptized. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. Baptism is a funeral service. We don't, we don't bury the person in the ground. We, we bury him in the water. Thank God for the person that will be buried right here next week. Why? It is an outward sign that the old man is dead. And when that person comes back out of that water, he comes back to walk in the newness of life. And that's all God needs. You shall. I am guilty of preaching on that scripture in the early days of my ministry and say, you have to, you have to. No, you have to. You shall. All that you have to do is hear the gospel, believe the gospel, repent from your sins, be baptized in his name, and then the Lord who sees the sincere hunger and the sincere thirst deep down in our soul, he says, you shall. That's how you receive the Holy Ghost. That's how the early apostles, they received the Holy Ghost. They had a sincere, deep hunger and thirst. You shall. It is a very definite promise, my brother. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. No devils of hell will be able to stop that promise from you to receive it. But once you receive it, uh, make a conscious, willing decision to follow what he said. That is how the good shepherd leads the flock. And that's all he needs. We have to follow him and the goodness and mercy will follow us. That is the shadow of a believer. The scripture says, surely, everybody say surely. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Because I follow the good shepherd who is the Holy Ghost, who is living inside of me, and his name is God bless you all in Jesus' name.